0: Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein here to lead you through these hard times that it, with the 50th episode of your favorite wrestling podcast. We are back with a very special episode of getting over the WWE United States champion. Apollo Cruz is joining the Silver King for a one-on-one conversation ahead of Sunday night's the horror show at WWE Extreme Rules. going to be a horror show. <laughs> how do you like that, huh? We will find out how we're going to like Extreme Rules, which airs at 7 p.m. Eastern live on the WWE Network this Sunday. But I certainly know you will enjoy this edition of the podcast as Apollo Crews joins me to break down a variety of topics with him now in the spotlight on WWE Raw. We talk about... Paul Heyman, Ricochet, being an NXT, whether he should have been there a little longer than he actually was, uh, representation, every single topic that we could potentially cover in 20 minutes, I got to it with Apollo Crews. And guess what, folks? We are not going to waste much time to get to that interview. Certainly a couple notes, you know how it goes here before we get started. Please head on over to Apple Podcasts, drop that five-star rating, and review, let the Silver King, let the everyone else who doesn't listen to this show know how much you love the podcast. Of course, you can also follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast, and you can follow the Silver King directly at Silverstein Adam. I am going to move very quickly into the Apollo Cruise interview. On the back end of that interview, we are going to answer a couple of your last-minute questions ahead of WWE. Extreme Rules. If you haven't already, be sure to listen to our ultimate preview for WWE Extreme Rules. That episode came out on Tuesday. And of course, on Thursday, we broke down the Wednesday Night Wars for you as we do every single week. So this is your third episode of the week. We're going to have instant analysis for WWE Extreme Rules on Sunday night. It's a four episode week. It's a birthday week. It's an anniversary week here for the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. And we are going to be celebrating it with... Apollo Cruz on the other side of this. Excited to welcome WWE United States Champion, Apollo Cruz to the show for the very first time, ahead of his big title match with MVP, this Sunday at the Horror Show at WWE Extreme Rules, airing at 7 p.m. Eastern on the WWE Network. Apollo, quite a difference nine months makes, man, going from that strange, really short match at SummerSlam against Murphy, traded to Raw out of nowhere after WrestleMania, and then six weeks later, becoming the United States champion. How did you learn not just that you were getting traded to Raw, but what the plan was for you after you changed brands?
1: Oh, man, it's crazy how things can just change um, overnight, kind of, I guess, you know, so uh, it's funny the story, like I I was riding around one day, Um, I got two kids, I got a now three-year-old um at the time she was two and then i got a one-year-old and i you know drive them around sometimes so that you know it's easier for them to take naps so they like being in the car and they fall asleep the easier and i got a call saying um on a friday if i could you know be in the pc um at the performance center um in the next hour and i was being traded a raw and i was kind of like uh you know of course no problem i could do that i you know came home My fiance, who's, you know, at home working now, working from upstairs, I told her, uh, you know, they need me to come, you know, have a match. Um, I brought the kids home. She came downstairs and um, went to the PC, had a match with uh, Alistair Black. And, uh, you know, the rest, I guess you could say, it's it's history. You know, it's uh, pretty cool. um, At that time, Paul Heyman, you know, bringing me over to Raw and uh, giving me an opportunity, and I felt personally – what helped me is always just getting ready, you know, uh, making sure that I'm ready for whatever, whatever situation is placed in front of me, whether, you know, uh, if I'm dieting or keeping my body in shape or, you know, just whatever it is, or or staying healthy, not being injured, whatever it is, you know, I think for me, it worked out perfectly because I made sure that I was always ready. No matter what I was going through in my career, I'd always have that motivation just to take care of the things that I can take care of, the things that I can control so that when that time does come, you know, I'll be prepared.
0: Well, you know, let's not gloss over the fact two young kids and a fiance. Congratulations. Great, great personal news. In addition to the professional news, it's all really awesome to hear for you. Yeah. Um, You mentioned Paul Heyman though, and you know, with him being backstage at raw for a while, obviously not, you know, in the same role he is right now. Did you feel in addition to just bringing you in that he had any particular type of impact not like I said, not just in you being on raw, but getting this particular opportunity and maybe even how your character has been able to change and develop and grow over the last couple of months.
1: Oh yeah. A hundred percent. You know, he was very, very, um, hands on with me. You know, I always, um, I, I always enjoyed working with him and, uh, I felt the same. I felt it was mutual. You know, I think, uh, he was just, he just wanted to see me excel and wanted to see me do well. And, uh, you know, he didn't want to see me sitting around not doing anything and uh i had done that for so long so uh I, I definitely do believe that he had a huge part in um you know along with my hard work as well with with my success or with me becoming the united states champion um and i i have nothing but good things to say about him and i can't thank him enough
0: absolutely and you mentioned kind of just joining the raw roster getting that opportunity to fight Alistair Black, which I mean, it was like a 25-minute match, tore the house down. If there were <laughs> right, fans, yeah. if there were fans, it would have been absolutely crazy. Um, and I know, it's, <laughs> I know, Dragon. I can only imagine how weird it was to do that, not in front of a lot of people, like hyping you up on all the big moves and stuff. But the truth is, you moved over to Raw, and you know, you've had great opon- opponents throughout your entire career. You obviously worked for a long time alongside Akira Tozawa, Ricochet, and others. Johnny Gargano against him in yep. Dragon Gate, but. In WWE, for the most part, and not that the wrestlers aren't great, of course they are, but I felt like you getting to fight Aleister Black really opened a lot of people's eyes into what you can do on the WWE stage, and then you go right from Aleister Black to the feud with Andrade. I mean, again, one of the best wrestlers in the company right now, one of the best wrestlers in the world. So did you feel almost yourself kind of gain more professional and personal confidence getting those matches with those guys?
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And it, it's, I feel like it was, I always, you know, belonged in those type of situations, you know, throughout my whole career. Um, I was never getting a lot of opportunities to show what I could do in the range. And so for me to get, you know, 25 minutes to go out there and be able to you know, show that I, I deserve to be exactly where I am and that I should be in this, in this spot was, it was fantastic. It was a huge opportunity, you know? And uh, like I said, I, I, I feel like an expectation was set, but I always, try to exceed those expectations you know so if you think you know i know he's going to do well i'm going to make sure i do better than you ever thought that i can do and that's with with anything whether it's going out there kind of promo it's going out there having a match i try to make sure i exceed all expectations so um it's great to be able to go and work and be in there with you know fantastic athletes like you know Alistair black andrade um mvp coming up you know a, a guy who's uh i mean his career speaks for himself so it's 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 so good to be able to um uh to show you know what I I'm just doing what I've always wanted to do and show what I've always wanted to show and um being able to give that to have that opportunity to do it on such a big stage is is pretty dope you know when you sit back and yeah. think about it um you know it's 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 pretty awesome to be on live tv weekly in front of you know millions of people watching you I mean it, it doesn't get much better than that
0: yeah and for sure and it's not just that it's you know, when you came and you had those great matches, and I think a lot of people got teased rightfully so with, hey, you almost won the title from Andrade the first time, then it looks like you're in the Money in the Bank match, then you're not going to be able to be in that. But there was always that plan, you know, I I assume at least, um, for for what would eventually happen with you. Do you feel like over the course of time, not just in that particular storyline, but even since the last couple of months since, do you feel like you've opened some eyes inside the company that maybe weren't as completely open to you, whether it's you know, someone like Vince McMahon or Bruce Pritchard or whoever the case might be, do you feel like a lot of people now have a greater understanding inside the company of what you bring to the table and what you're capable of doing if given the opportunity?
1: Yeah, 100%. I I feel like I have open some eyes because I I don't think, uh, I think if I didn't, you know, I wouldn't continuously get an opportunity to go out there. And, you know, I've been able to talk every week and uh, I've been able just to, you know, be put in something um, that's, you know, that's lasted a, a long period of time. Um, I wasn't getting opportunities like that before, and I don't know if it was just, uh, you know, I really don't know what it was, whether it was, you know, a lack of, uh, you know, some people having the faith in me or, or whatever it might be, but it's cool now that I've had that chance to show and that people can, you know, people are seeing it and the opportunities keep coming. And like I said, when those opportunities keep coming, I'm just going to keep knocking them down and, and keep exceeding those expectations. You know, I, I have to, it's, it's, yeah. it's what I'm programmed to do, so and I, I I enjoy new challenges and uh you know being i think it's it's cool to be to embrace um uh, uncomfortable situations you know and uh it, it's it's a different situation that we're in, especially right now not being in front of you know a live audience um but I feel like it's helped me a lot personally kind of figure out who I am and I'm kind of coming into my own and really discovering who you know, Apollo Cruz is, which was something I really struggled with before.
0: Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I was just about to ask you, you know, you joined WWE and you obviously started out in NXT. And I think for a lot of people, they get 18 months, two years, maybe in NXT. Not just, <laughs> not, not, <laughs> yeah. not not that you needed, but not that you necessarily needed to develop. I mean, you were an accomplished professional. Like I said, you were all over the world. You wrestled for Dragon Gate. But there is something, I think, to mm-hmm. be said in NXT for the seasoning at least in WWE's ways, the ability to improve in certain areas, maybe develop character or how to speak on the mic or whatever the case might be. Looking back on it, and I'm sure you were really happy to get called up. I think it was to Raw at the time, but do you kind of think back on it and say, you know what? I kind of wish I maybe had another year in NXT to do some of those things.
1: Yeah, for sure. Because like it's it's especially when you just, you know, start get start to get going, you know, and I you know, I was I think I'd only been on T V I've been in NXT for a year, but I think I've only been on TV for like six, eight months or so. So it was a very, very short time.
0: Right.
1: Um, Very short time and making that transition from the Indies to NXT, you know, is is one thing in itself. And then from NXT to Monday Night Raw or SmackDown is is a whole nother story too. But um, I do feel like, um, you know, I could have spent more time down there and at the time, you know, you get the news that you're coming to Monday Night Raw and it's like, you know, this is the, this is it. You know what I mean? As, as, right. a, as a wrestler, as, as a kid, when you dream of being, of getting to the stage, this is what it is. It's, this is the news that you, you're ready to hear. You know, not a lot of people get to hear that. Um, you know, plenty of people try to get to WWE, but not everybody makes it. It's not for everybody. So for me to be told that I was going to raw, you know, it's, I was almost like, okay, now there's, there's no looking back. I didn't even think to be like, okay, maybe I do need to spend, more time in NXT or I wasn't thinking of, you know, is my character developed enough or am I seasoned enough or anything like that? It's just like, wow, I'm going to Raw. Like, (laughs) and this is it. This is my opportunity to go become that superstar that I always dreamt of becoming, you know, and, um, you know, I do wish I spent a little more time in NXT to, you know, to work on those certain things that I felt like I was lacking when I first got up to the main roster, you know, um, or got up to Monday Night Raw. Um, But it's cool now that I you know everything I went through for the first four years of being on you know after I was called up it's it's cool now to be able to uh, kind of start figuring those things out and and see that it's not too late or it didn't you know pass me by so um, anytime i I see anybody struggling with anything or uh, you know I can see I, I just notice that I know the look on people's faces when they're not um, you know, when, they're not, when, they, when they feel like things aren't going too well. So I tell them, hey, look, you know, I was in the same exact position. It's just one of those things where you got to literally, as, you know, as cliche as it sounds, you got you to gotta just grind it out. You got to stay the course, stick to it, because there is that light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm living proof of that. So uh, if, if, I can, if it can happen to me, it can happen for anybody.
0: Well, it's funny because you're kind of preempting all the next questions I'm going to ask you. And that that was really what I had next, which was the up and downs that you certainly had in WWE. It's difficult to manage. Everyone yep. seems to go through them, at least in some way. Some more drastic, I think, than others. So Ricochet, obviously, someone you've known for a very long time. He's almost on the, it was not, I don't want to say the opposite trajectory, but he started out in the opposite way you did. He came to the main roster, yep. joined joined Raw US champion, you know, top views, has a WWE, or I guess it was a universal championship match. I forget what it was at this time, but you know, then kind of starts sliding down a little bit and not getting featured on TV as much. And I think I watched that uh, 365 special on the WWE network with him, and you can see it kind of right. affecting him yep. a little bit. So I'm kind of wondering, being someone that you've known for a long time, has he been kind of one of those people where you've kind of had to say, look, man, you have that talent, you have that ability, you've been featured before, it will come again. Um, I was in your shoes just a little bit ago.
1: Yeah, and he knows it too. You know, we we spoke actually he was, you know, we worked out together here in my garage. He was here yesterday, you know, we, we spoke briefly about that. But, you know, um he, he knows that those opportunities will come and uh, you know, not just in WWE but in regular life, you know, there's this ups and downs, you know, and uh it's uh it's hard especially when you come in, you know, the way he did for it to kind of be you know, taken away. Um, right. but you just, like I said, he, I tell him all the time, you just really have to stay that course and you may not want to hear it from me or from anybody else, but it's, it's what you really have to do and and, and grind it on. He's always been like a hard worker. He's never been one to kind of slack off and, and just give up or quit or anything like that. So he, he, he knows his time is going to come again. And he knows that at the end of when, when it's all said and done, he's going to have, you know, a. uh, a hall of fame career you know what i mean he's one of a kind and there's you know there's no one like him so um it's just right now getting through this this you know rough patch and and when he gets through this he can either look back at this and laugh or you know just never look back at it again
0: do you guys ever try to like one-up each other on what you can do athletically because it seems like you two could have like a crazy ass competition
1: <laughs> we used to when we were in japan we used to do you know do uh do that before when when my Friday was a little more, uh, (laughs) I had a little less aches in my body. Still in your 20s, not in your 30s. (laughs) Now I feel like that. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Now uh, all that stuff's caught up to me. So like the showing off, uh, I remember one time actually, um, Ricochet wasn't involved, but I was uh, working at um, LA Fitness back before I was ever signed or anything. I was still wrestling on the indies and stuff. And uh, Mm -hmm. I was telling my coworkers I could do a backflip and, and none of them believed me. And I was like, you know, I stood up and just did a backflip, and, and I felt like my knee, kind of like when I landed, my knee, I felt like not anything, like an injury or anything, but it just kind of, it kind of hurt, and I had to kind of play it off like I was, you know, I was all good. And I, from that moment on, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done showing off for anybody.
0: <laughs> right, you got every <laughs> you flip is like saved for the point. ring. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. I was like, if you don't believe I could do something, that's perfectly fine. I, I don't have to prove it to anybody.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think it was like Jeff Hardy. You said like, yeah, I can do, I could do the swanton bomb every day, but the truth is it's like, I'm going to really cut it back and only do it here and there going forward. Cause it, you know, once exactly. you hit 30 and then once you hit 40, it really starts taking a toll on you.
1: It does. It really does. You know, but it's, it's all, it's what we love to do. You know I mean? Um, uh, I'm blessed to be in this situation and there's nothing that I'd I'd rather be doing. Um, especially now with all like the, you know, with the fantastic uh, strength coach, they get, strength, strength coach they got at the PC, Sean Hayes, you know, the um, mm-hmm. amazing trainers they got in that facility and, and the recovery stuff they have. It's, it's so much, uh, it's so helpful for us these days. And we, you know, getting a lot more time off, you know, um, it's a weird, it's a bit of sweet thing because, you know, um, the whole cor- COVID and quarantine situation happened and, it's like okay. On one hand, we get to rest a lot more on our bodies, feel a lot better. But on the you know other hand, it's like I miss traveling and I miss being on the road and being in front of a lot of crowds. So it's it's uh it's one of those bittersweet things.
0: Well, hey, look. Let's hope people uh, get some masks on, and uh, if that's the case, maybe you will get crowds sooner than later. But what we have coming up Sunday, <laughs> sure. what we have coming up Sunday is Extreme Rules, 7 p.m. <laughs> Eastern on the WWE Network. I feel like I'm not doing it justice if I don't say the whole name: the horror show at Extreme Rules Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern on the the WWE Network. And like you mentioned earlier, you're going up against MVP. You've been feuding with him, Bobby Lashley, for a little bit. You know, these are guys who have been around this industry for an extended period of time. MVP, obviously, in WWE had a very long run as United States champion. I'm wondering, you already kind of mentioned Paul Heyman and, you know, the impact he had on you backstage. But MVP, you know, some people know, obviously, he's an on-air character. He wasn't initially brought back as that. He was kind of brought back in that producer type of role. I'm kind of wondering, I know, I know you said how Paul helped you, but MVP in terms of working against him, you know, feuding with him, but also in the moments away from the camera, has he been able to kind of help you develop that, that character, that personality uh that you kind of always kind of felt like you maybe needed to add a little bit of spice to?
1: Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, MVP is, uh um I mean, like I said, his career speaks for himself, you know, and he can go out there and, you know, he could talk, he can talk to talk, he can walk the walk, you know. Uh, and I actually, you know, was a huge fan of his, you know, still am, but growing up is is watching him on TV. I won't say a kid, you know what I mean? I, I may have been, <laughs> maybe my teens or something like this. So a kid, but not like a, not a kid, not a baby. Of course. Um, and lastly too, same way, you know, um, and these are guys that I watched, uh, you know, one, because they were African-American, just like myself. And I, you know, looked up to them like, okay, man, these guys are on the TV doing this. Uh, I definitely could be on that, you know, doing, doing this. And I'm just like, man, like captivated by, you know, their in-ring ability, you know, the way MVP goes out there, his swagger, everything about him, you know, in these, these nice suits. And then, you know, he can break it down, come out there and, and wrestle. He can fight. So it's, for me, growing up, watching them, I, I idolize these two guys. And to be where I'm at now against them, it's it's an honor. And at the same time, I don't um, – I give them respect, but at the same time, I know I have enough respect and enough talent myself to beat these guys as well. You know what I mean? And I feel like after this, once this is done, I can say – you know, I, I feel like – it is almost like I'm taking the next step in my career. You know what I mean? Like I feel like beating somebody like MVP at that level puts me in a different category than I am now, if that makes sense.
0: No, it absolutely does. And I'll get you out of here on this because I know we are running a tab long, but you know, you are United States champion at an interesting time in the country. You mentioned um, with both of them being African-American and there's a lot of right now, as of today, champions in WWE who are people of color, black, you know, black people, um, yep. you know, Latin people, yep. Asian people, et cetera. Do you kind of take an additional level of pride in being champion, not just in general, but at this particular time in the nation's history with so many things changing? And, and what do you see kind of, when you look around the locker room and, and the champions that are in the company these days, does it fill you maybe with just a sense of, um, a pride acceptance? I, I don't know. I don't know how to really state it because I'm not necessarily in, in the same shoes as you, but does, does, it feel different than maybe it did four or five years ago in WWE?
1: I feel like I feel huge, you know, sense of pride. I, I hold the title very proud, uh, proudly. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm glad to represent the United States as whole, you know, or represent the company as the United States champion. You know, it's, uh, I feel like I'm in a position where, you know, when I was a kid, I was looking at these, you know, African, African-American men on TV idolizing them i feel like i'm in a position where i could do that for another young kid who could be struggling or maybe kids not struggling or just somebody who's you know uh needs a little bit of extra motivation or just to know that hey you know whatever situation you're in you know it's possible to get out that situation and become all you can be you know so for me it's 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 uh there's a little more than just being champion you know it's it's also um Being able to to speak to a young kid or help a young kid who, um, you know, may not see anything else in in life but being stuck in a certain situation that he's in. So, I just want every young kid, whether you're African American, whether you're you're, you're white, whether you're it doesn't matter what race you are, to know that hey, look, uh, no matter where you're at, you should if you have a dream, you chase that dream and 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 you follow that dream, no matter who tells you you can't do it. Stick to it, hold it close to you, and you can be all you can be. You can be whoever you want to be. And it's cool because, you know, this country allows us to do that. So um, that's just that's how I feel about, you know, that situation.
0: I do like uh, coming from a military family, throwing in the be-all, you can be uh... – type of thing right there <laughs> very nice you can sure. but you can you can watch apollo cruz be all that he can be as the united states champion this sunday uh streaming at 7 p.m eastern on the wwe network he will defend that title against mvp at the horror show at wwe extreme rules apollo a pleasure thanks for the little extra time as well I uh, wish you best of luck at this pay-per-view and, and going forward in wwe
1: for sure i appreciate i appreciate the conversation thank you
0: you got it man It was really great to hear from Apollo Cruz, just really how mentally he has been able to take in his entire WWE career to this point. Certainly joined out of Dragon Gate, as I mentioned a couple times in the interview. Didn't really have a long run in NXT. Has never really won a major singles title in his career. Like I said, in NXT, he basically got you sparingly. He didn't really have any major feuds. Certainly didn't contend for any titles of significance. Uh, then he moves over to the main roster, he was used again it, occasionally. It looked like they might push him right out of the gate. Didn't really get to that. He was in Titus Worldwide for a while. That worked. Eventually, that fell apart. And then he was just kind of around. You know, he was in the Battle Royals, and he he did have that one very quick feud that uh, Eric Rowan interfered. I believe it was at uh, Crown Jewel or a SummerSlam or something like that. As I mentioned during the interview, and he was just kind of there. But when you have someone with Apollo Cruz's skill level, His talent, uh, both in the ring and now on the mic. he has improved drastically on the mic over the last four months or so. This is a guy who should be featured and it's great to see that he is getting that opportunity on Raw and will get a headline match. One of the headline title matches. There's four titles on the line. This is one of them at WWE Extreme Rules. I'm sorry, at the horror show at WWE Extreme Rules on Sunday night streaming at 7 p.m. Eastern on the WWE Network. Now, before we... End the show before we get to Extreme Rules on Sunday. There are a couple additional DM slides I did not get to on Tuesday's show. And some of them that came in after the fact here, uh ahead of this show that I want to talk about before Extreme Rules, we'll roll through them, and then we'll get you out of here. All right, starting off with Shawn Michaels at R-E-E-B 82. That's S-E-A-N, by the way. I believe it's his real name, so so that's kind of cool if you're a wrestling fan. Uh, He asks, where is Otis and that briefcase? It's a great question. I don't know where Otis is. Uh, It's possible that from a storyline perspective, they haven't had a lot of use for the Money in the Bank briefcase. Potentially, there are some extenuating circumstances, obviously, um, in and around Orlando that have not allowed him to be on TV recently. But it is interesting, certainly, that Otis does have the briefcase. We haven't seen him recently. It hasn't been mentioned recently. We should expect to see him sooner than later. Will that be as soon as Sunday? I do think that's possible. I don't know exactly how they would make that work considering the Swamp Fight. The Wyatt Swamp Fight is happening presumably in a swamp and it's going to be cinematic in nature. So I don't necessarily think they're going to be able to get him involved in that. But there could be an appearance potentially on the main broadcast or it may just be a return that they save for the following SmackDown on Friday night to kind of have him let Strowman know that he's still around. But it does seem... Largely, like the Money in the Bank briefcase has been forgotten about, given what's going on. And you guys have heard my opinions on Otis being the winner of that briefcase previously. But right now, we are involved in a long-term Braun Strowman-Bray Wyatt feud. I think a lot of us have the expectation that by the time SummerSlam comes around in August, we're going to be getting the third incarnation of that Braun Strowman against The Fiend for the Universal Championship. How does Otis factor into that? I really don't know that he does. So this could just be a situation where that briefcase exists, but they're going to wait for a title change. They maybe will wait four or five months down the line before he really starts potentially attempting to cash it in. Of course, there's always the situation that a lot of people have rumored where he decides to use that briefcase for the tag team championships, to do something for him and Tucker, or maybe even the Intercontinental Championship. We have not seen that yet in WWE. So far, the briefcase has only been used for the WWE Championship or the Universal Championship, and then on the women's side, of course, just for the two main women's titles. So it will be very curious to see what the plan is for Otis long-term, but I do know that fans have enjoyed his run recently, and it would be get- great to get him back on television sooner than later. Up next, Mikey Molehill at Mikey underscore trolls. He writes in, is the final piece of Drew McIntyre's history that Dolph Ziggler has been telling us about, Undisputed Era, beating him up. I don't know exactly what's going to happen with Undisputed Era. For me, their run on NXT at this point should be over now that Adam Cole has lost the NXT Championship. The tag team, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly and or Roderick Strong is not really in competition for the tag team titles. They've already held them a couple times. And Roderick Strong himself is not really going after the North American Championship. He's already had that opportunity. So for me, their run in NXT is over. At the same time... Is this the right opportunity to bring them into Raw? I don't know. I do think that they definitely need to be on Raw instead of SmackDown. A three-hour show is gonna benefit from having a true faction way more than a two-hour show on SmackDown, which already, by the way, has plenty of talent. We don't need to send them over to SmackDown, especially now that they just got AJ Styles. The question is, do you bring them in at the end of Extreme Rules? Possibly. Um, I think whenever you do bring them in, the goal would be for Adam Cole to be the immediate challenger to the world championship on whatever brand he you know joins. On SmackDown, with it being either Braun Strowman or Bray Wyatt, that is not the right fit. I do think the idea of a heel faction going up against Drew McIntyre works. The question is, how much longer is Drew McIntyre going to be champion? And when do you want Adam Colton actually challenged for that title? Right now, we have Extreme Rules coming up as SummerSlam. For me, the SummerSlam match, absolutely positively, has to be Drew McIntyre defending the title against Randy Orton. And if I was booking the damn territory for WWE, I would have Randy Orton take the title off Drew McIntyre in that match, even if it necessitates the utilization of Ric Flair. I don't care what it takes. I have Orton take the title at SummerSlam as a heel champion, run for a good period of time. When Edge finally gets back, that can be your title feud. Or if you don't want to do that, you can have Drew McIntyre challenge for the title again after maybe two months or so. Um, have him win the title back. It's a short run for Orton, but, it's, but it has been a deserving, it would be a deserving run for a guy who may very well be the wrestler of the year in 2020 to this point. We're basically midway through the year right now and it's tough to beat what Randy Orton has done. So where in there does it make sense for Undisputed Era to debut? Because I guess you could have him debut and take down Apollo Crews and go for the mid-card title, but this is a main event faction. It has been a main event faction in NXT for such a long period of time. I think they need to come in and knock the top face's head off. So look, maybe all you do is you book it the way I just told you, except you have Drew McIntyre retain the title against Randy Orton. And then after that match, after a very hard fought match, then Undisputed Era comes in basically to walk off SummerSlam. That could be a very exciting moment. So I don't exactly know what they're gonna do with Undisputed Era, but I do think they are main roster bound. They should be on Raw, and hopefully they factor in sooner than later. Michael Callahan, uh, he actually sent us an email. He writes in, I'm with you 100% that the horror show is not a good theme for a pay-per-view in July, but with that being the case, if they had to give Extreme Rules a theme, what should it have been? It's a really good question. You're asking me to be more creative than WWE here and come up with uh, a subtitle or a theme on the spot that's difficult. Um, Okay, so I think one option if you want to go with the horror type of theme could be There Will Be Blood. Extreme Rules, there will be blood. So you're saying, hey, this is going to be an extreme pay-per-view and we're going to go to the next level with it. Um, Extreme Rules, Welcome Home probably could have been another one that they could do, taking into consideration the Wyatt Swamp Fight and how that would be Braun Strowman going home. Of course, it also works doubly because it is in Orlando and, you know, that is the Performance Center home. And the other option is probably an easy option, which is Extreme Rules, Eye for an Eye. You have that match already on the show. You knew that was going to be a stipulation. Just like you kind of had backlash, you know, it was going to be the greatest show ever in terms of the the theme music they used. And then they had the greatest wrestling match ever between Edge and Randy Orton. I think you very easily could have done Extreme Rules eye for an eye, set up all of these as grudge matches, which basically they are, and just had the pay-per-view. So those are three subtitles, I think, that could have been used for Extreme Rules. And you know what? I kind of said, I don't know that I can be as creative as WWE, but... Folks, I think all three of those would have worked and eye for an I," especially, and there will be blood, may have been better. But nevertheless, this Sunday is the horror show at WWE Extreme Rules. And that is gonna be a horror show. <laughs> How do you like that, huh? And it airs at 7 p.m. Eastern, streaming live on the WWE Network. I'm sure there's a kickoff show beginning one hour before that at 6 p.m. The Getting Over Wrestling podcast as we always do, we'll offer instant analysis immediately at the end of WWE Extreme Rules. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you do not already. And we will publish that thing hopefully before midnight on the East Coast. Again, you can follow the show on Twitter at Getting Overcast. We tweet out when every single episode is live. We also tweet about wrestling all week long. And you can follow me personally, The Silver King at Silverstein Adam on Twitter. Also, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Apollo Crews. If you did, which I know you did, head on over to Apple Podcasts, drop that five-star rating and review for your favorite wrestling podcast. Okay, that's it. The road to extreme rules is drawing near. It is time to get out of here. Thank you all for listening to the 50th episode of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. I am so excited to give you 50 or 500 more. That's all I have to say. There's one other person who has a couple words to say to you before we get out of here. Come on, we got something going. that's really? Oh, yeah. Look at the video. Right now, and tell him about my
1: madness. Tell them how strong it is, and tell him where we're going. Yeah, we the twilight zone. Yeah, and how Hogan's got a
0: no chance. Does he? No, does anybody have a chance? 'Cause the Macho Man's ready. No. Remember the greatest wrestler, past, present, and future that ever lived. Okay, let's say goodbye. Say goodbye thank you, Savvy. Thank you all for listening. Bye for now.